Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story, and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors, and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, what's up, Active Church? My name is Joe. I'm on the team here at Active. Got a question for you. Have you ever had a secret burger? Oh, maybe you don't know what a secret burger is. Let me explain to you what a secret burger is. You know that moment where you're like, you're so hungry and you know that there's food waiting at home, but instead of waiting for that food at home, because you don't know how long it's gonna take, what you decide to do is to go grab maybe a burger, maybe some fries, maybe a little, little side meal before you actually eat. Maybe you don't do it before you go home after work. Maybe you do it right before you go to a wedding because you never know how wedding food's gonna be, right? And so you go grab some food before or maybe even after the wedding you go grab, grab food. It's that moment that you decide to eat before it's time to eat or maybe you eat and then you go eat again, but you don't let anybody know about it. I'll tell you a story about a secret burger that I had. It was Thanksgiving a few years ago. Me and my wife were still dating at the time and I was going over for a Thanksgiving meal. It was a big deal in her family, they always go all out, like all out. They do everything they can. They prepare it all, they put out the nice plates, they put out the fine china, they have a long table, it's lovely, it's wonderful. I grew to love it, I really grew to love it, but this was one of my first years doing Thanksgiving, and from the previous year, what I remembered is that when we said we were eating at two o'clock, it could have been like three o'clock, four o'clock, I haven't eaten all day, and so I'm driving to the house, and I think to myself, self, you're gonna be so hungry by the time you get there. It's time for, you guessed it, it's time for a secret burger. So I pull into one of my family favorites, McDonald's. Go to McDonald's, I make sure I grab myself a meal, grab myself two double cheeseburgers, fries, and a Diet Coke, and as I'm driving to our house, I'm chomping on those fries, I'm eating that burger, because I'm thinking to myself, we're gonna have at least two hours before we actually eat. Got my secret burger done, I pull up to the house, breast smelling like french fries, I pop in some gum, I walk in the house thinking like, I'm just gonna be hanging out, be enjoying some time with the family, and what I see in front of me changes everything. The house was ready and the food was done and it was time for a meal right then, right there. And I remember being so frustrated on multiple levels. The first level was the fact that I was so full already and all this wonderful food food was in front of me. I'm telling you, my wife's family goes all out. They're Romanian, they love to cook, they love to uh, uh, share their, their food and their culture with everybody that comes over. And so they were ready, everything was out, everything was good to go and I remember thinking to myself, I messed up royally. The second thing I was really mad about was like, why didn't anybody tell me the food was actually gonna be ready on time this year, right? And so I eat, I, I kind of force down some food. I don't really enjoy it because you've ever been just that fool where you're like, I can't even push past this limit anymore. That's where I was at. And so after dinner, me and my wife, we decided to go grab some coffee. And so as we get in the car, uh, I remember we buckle in our seatbelts. I'm still thinking to myself, I'm so frustrated because I wanted to eat this really good food, whatever. Leftovers are always better anyways, right? So in the car, I'm finally making amends with the fact that I had a secret burger, nobody knew, whatever. I had to pretend the whole time that I was enjoying the food. We get in the car, put my seatbelt on, turn the car on. My wife gets in the car, puts her seatbelt on. And the first thing she says is, did you have McDonald's? You ever been caught eating a secret burger? And I'm like, uh, how, 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 how did you know? Rookie mistake. 
I left the McDonald's trash in the car in the front seat. Secret burgers, it's a funny thing, but have you ever had a moment where you chose the right now thing instead of the better thing? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe it wasn't a secret burger and wasn't one of those funny moments, but maybe you made a decision to choose the thing that was in front of you than the thing that you know is better for you. Could have been with your health, could have been with your marriage, could have been with your friendships, that you chose the path with the least resistance, the path that was right in front of you rather than the path that is gonna to lead to something better. I think we could talk about this topic all day, but in just a moment, I wanna get into that, but I want you to really consider, have you ever made a decision where you decided just to let the better thing go because the thing in front of you was right there? It was so much easier. It was so much more satisfying because you didn't have to wait for the better thing. We're in week three of a series called Grown Up Prayers. And we're talking about praying like we mean it. You ever had that moment where you're just like, what is, what is to pray? How do I pray? How do I engage with God? What I love is that Jesus' earliest followers were the first ones to ask this question. They came to him, Lord, how do we pray? Lord, what do we pray? Lord, I don't get this whole prayer thing. And it's so fascinating because these are the guys who grew up praying meditating the word of God. They knew it ins and outs. They knew everything about prayer, yet still there was something irresistible and fascinating about how Jesus prayed. And so Jesus goes and he shares these words in Matthew 6 on how to pray. And what I love is that we've taken this, this, these ideas that he shares with us about prayer and we've packaged it in something called the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've heard about the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you grew up hearing it. Maybe grandma told you about the Lord's Prayer. What is so good about the Lord's Prayer is it takes 20 seconds to say, but it takes a lifetime to learn. It's one of those prayers that will change everything. And I've seen kids say it and mean it more than I've seen adults say it and mean it because it's just that powerful. And so the first two weeks we talked about the Lord's Prayer and we're gonna talk about it again today. It began like this, just to give you a little recap of where we're going. In week one, we said, uh, we read the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we said is we wanna pray with alignment with God. We wanna match up all the blocks. We want heaven to be like earth. We wanna live in such a way that we bring heaven to earth and we are trusting God to do so. We are submitting to God's greatness and declaring his goodness. We are living out the goodness that God is doing and we are saying we want heaven to lead the way. And in those moments where we feel like prayer is not doing anything, maybe those heavy moments that you walk through in your life, maybe there's the funny moments you're like, God, help me uh, uh, finish this test uh, in time because I didn't study for it for the past four weeks. Or maybe those moments that you have where you're just saying, God, where are you at? I prayed these prayers and nothing happened. Well, what we said in that moment is that prayer changes things, especially me. It changes my foundation, it changes my perspective, it changes my outlook, it changes my expectation because I am submitting to God's goodness. You see, it's a hard prayer. But like I said, it takes a lifetime to learn, so we ought to start now. And in the second week, we continued in the Lord's Prayer and we read this, give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. One of the fundamental misunderstandings about prayer is that God is so distant that he doesn't get it that he doesn't even care. And when we pray, we just hope that God is listening. No, we pray in such a way where we trust him that he is gonna provide and we trust that he's gonna give us the courage to see that provision 
and we trust them with all the things that hold us back from living in freedom. We trust them with forgiveness. And as we trust him, we extend that same forgiveness to others. You see, it's a grown-up prayer because we don't pray like Aladdin rubbing a magic lamp. No, we pray knowing that God is with us, he cares, and he is giving us everything we need in that moment and more to love well, to live well, and to serve him. Grown-up prayers have the courage to trust that God is the one who is providing and will provide and wants to provide. Grown-up prayers also say, God, thank you for your forgiveness. And I want to live in such a way where I can extend that same kind of forgiveness. You see, these are tough prayers. And so just to recap one more time, the first week we said grown-up prayers change things, especially me. And the second thing is we said when we pray grown-up prayers like this, we acknowledge how close God is and how concerned he is. And I have to recap it because where we're going today may seem kind of heavy and kind of difficult. You see, the next part and the last part of the Lord's Prayer is this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus, why did we have to go there? We're talking about forgiveness and aligning our will with yours and submitting to your goodness and your love and your concern. And now you have to bring up one of the topics that nobody wants to talk about, temptations. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's personalize that. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. To talk about temptation seems so heavy and scary. And if I can just be honest with you, church, it was kind of difficult for me to talk about that this week. And the reason it was so difficult is because I felt like I was walking on eggshells as I thought about it, as I prayed about it, as I wrote notes down, as I studied it. And it's really, it's difficult for two reasons. And the first reason is, is because I have dear friends who have fell into temptation. And they carry that guilt around with them. And they carry that guilt around them to this day. And it's been years since the temptation has happened because they know the damage and destruction it has done. And the last thing I would want you to do today is walking away just thinking like all they talk about is how bad I am. All they talk about is all the things I've done wrong and how God is mad at me and God is frustrated with me and God doesn't want me to do X, Y, and Z. That's not my hope today. Again, going back to what I said, God cares so much about you and I that he has to talk about these things because he knows that these things are the things that are going to keep us up at night. He knows these things are going to be the things that we struggle with most. He knows that these things are going to be the very things that make us uh, stop telling a better story in our life. And that's why it's hard for me to talk about this because I don't want anybody to leave this place thinking that God doesn't care and that God is primarily angry with you. The second reason it's really hard is because many of us have been following Jesus for years. I'm going on my 10th year following Jesus and that blows me away to think where God has taken me from where I was to where I'm at now. But the thing I have found, and it's almost a folly of Christendom, is that when we begin to follow after Jesus, the longer we follow him, the more that we think we have to have it all together. Meaning the more that we forget to lean on his forgiveness and his acceptance and his love and his need for him to lead us. I've seen so many people who have been following Jesus for so many years forget that it is still okay to ask for forgiveness and say that they need help. 
And so in doing so, in following Jesus for so long, and thinking that we have to get it all together, that we can't ask for help because we've been serving so long, we've been in the church for so long, people know us for so long, what we've done is we've narrowed this idea of temptation to a couple main candidates. And you know what those main candidates are, right? You know what, when we talk about temptations, the things that come to mind immediately, and oftentimes they're not your temptations, they're other people's temptations. And as followers of Jesus, we have to resist the urge to narrow the idea of temptation just because we've been following him for so long. What I have found is that the reality is, is that we are all vulnerable somewhere. And until we acknowledge that we are all vulnerable somewhere, we will live in a false immunity. Let's look back at how it's phrased right here. Right? What does Jesus say? What's the actual prayer? It says, Lord, lead us, lead me not into temptation. Lord, you lead me not into temptation. So the way it's worded is almost kind of weird, right? It's like, is God leading me into temptation? Is God the one that may test me today? And what we're doing is we're praying, God, please don't have somebody try me. Please don't have somebody get in the way today. Please don't have somebody get in my face today. Because God, man, Please don't do this, God. Please don't do this to me. As almost if God is trying to get us. Just to be clear, God does not tempt. God doesn't tempt. Typically, who leads who into temptation? We do. We lead ourselves into temptation. And if that's not good enough for you, Jesus' brother James actually wrote about this idea just because he wanted us to realize that God does not tempt us. says this, James 1, 13 to 14, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away, catch this, by their own evil desire and enticed. We tempt ourselves. We lead ourselves into temptation. God will never try to catch you in the act. Because God's hope isn't to prove to you how much you aren't. He wants to show you how much you are. These words, what they're actually saying is, God, I know myself. I know my tics. I know my habits. I know the things that rile me up. I know that if somebody honks their horn at me today, it's going to be rough. I know that if I see that post on Instagram, I see that post on Facebook, and it gets me going, I'm going to comment something back. God, I know me. And if I know me, I know that I'm vulnerable somewhere. And I need you. Because you care. Because you're there. Because I know my integrity and character as much as I want to highlight it, is not strong enough for everything. And I'm going to need help somewhere. You will never outrun temptation. But you can. Here's the hope. But you can overcome it. You know the difference between outrunning and overcoming? It's this. Outrunning is saying that I'm going to get as far away from this thing as possible. And I'm going to act like it doesn't exist. I'm going to keep moving, I'm going to keep moving, and I'm going to keep moving, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to keep finding these spaces and places where I am not tempted. I am not around anything that's going to rile me up, that's going to make me choose the right now thing rather than the better thing. Because isn't that all temptation is? Picking the right now thing instead of the better thing? So I'm going to put myself in a world that temptation doesn't exist. You'll never outrun it. Because to be human 
is to be tempted. And I'm not saying that we don't need to run from temptations because there's sometimes you're going to need to run from temptation. I'm not saying that we need to just live with the temptations. No, I'm saying that there has to be another way because as long as we're human, this side of heaven, we are going to be tempted by something. The more that we outrun temptation, the more we're going to narrow and narrow and narrow our world to the point that we have nobody besides ourselves. So, what does it look like to overcome temptation then? You see, what overcome does, what overcome says, is that I can stand in defiance of temptation today. That I can stand in front of it and say, I am not choosing this thing because there is a better thing. I am not choosing the right now thing because what is happening in my marriage is way too beautiful. I am not choosing the right now thing because what is being refined in my spirit and in my life is so much better than the thing in front of me. And I know that the thing I choose right now will never be as satisfying. And that sounds great, doesn't it? To be able to stand in the face of temptation and scream at it and say, ah, get out of here. I don't need you. There's something better. But how do we get there? Like, is that actually a possibility or is it just a hopeful dream? Well, let's remember what Jesus said. That's the beauty of this prayer, is that Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. What Jesus is saying is you don't have to do this alone. What Jesus is saying, that you're never meant to do it alone. But the truth is, and the reality is, that there's still some refining that needs to happen in us in order for us to not do it alone. What's so misunderstood about the life when following Jesus is that oftentimes we think that when we give our life to God, we hand him the pen and say, you tell the better story. And I've seen so many people leave church, leave God, leave faith so disappointed because they've, they believe they've handed God the pen and, and the story that is unfolded in front of them was not necessarily the story that they wanted to experience. But what actually happens is that we hand God the pen and he hands it right back to us. And he says, I'm going to sit with you I'm going to breathe creativity and life and hope and dreams. I'm going to breathe a better story into your life. And it's your job to listen and take cue and see what I've done through Jesus and keep pursuing the path that I've put in front of you. It is your responsibility to listen and learn and to observe and to write. Because that is how I am going to breathe resolve and defiance of temptation into your life. I'm going to show you the better thing but you have to write it. You have to choose it. You have to want it. The prayer is not, God, take my life and you do whatever you want. Take the wheel and I'm going to have my hands off. No, the prayer is, God, lead me. God, lead us. And to let God lead is a choice. So this begs the question, who is leading you toward temptation? Maybe a better way of putting it is, what is leading you toward temptation? Is it fear? Is it isolation? Is it the fear of isolation? Is it anger, revenge, bitterness, regret, self-soothing, self-protection, trauma, things that you've gone through? Maybe they're things that are really good things. But what I can tell you is that all these things, even though some of them are good things, even though protection is a good thing, even though gratification and satisfaction are really good things. These are all terrible leaders. And they will never lead you to the place that you want to go. 
So what is leading you? And how's that working so far? I can't tell you how many times I've been led by bitterness. Growing up, I felt like I was always number two in everything I did, from sports to my family dynamics, friendship groups. And I was always so motivated by being number two because I just wanted to be number one. But in being motivated, I was so bitter towards whoever was number one. And the thing I found about myself is that when I'm angry and I'm bitter, I work so hard and I produce so much. But what I also know is that I destroy a whole lot too. So you may be led by these things and they may be working right now, but the truth is that bitterness is only gonna lead to more bitterness and it's gonna hurt people around you and it's gonna destroy relationships around you. So I need to share with you something that you probably already know. Your pride is gonna make you so unreachable. Your apathy will destroy something or somebody around you. Your addiction will displace the good things that are meant for you. Your anger will never create anything you are proud of. And your lust will wipe away intimacy with the one that you love most. And you're smart and you know this to be true. You didn't need God to tell you this because you've experienced this. You carry the scars and the wounds of the decisions that were made for you and from you. I don't think it takes me unpacking everything for you to know that when we give in to the right now thing instead of the better thing, there's damage that is possible. And it's not going to go away by not talking about it or ignoring what's actually leading you there. Because if we don't become aware of the things that are leading us to these places, then we'll, nev be, we'll never be able to choose the better thing because the right now thing will always be louder. So let me ask one more time, what is leading you? Let's remember that Jesus asks us to pray this prayer from a place of care. He knows you. He cares about you. He knows what keeps you up at night. And the reason Jesus wants to, uh, to teach us, Lord, lead me, is because he knows how deep temptation can run and the decisions of your life can hurt you. He knows how much the people around you want you to make the best decision, but it's so difficult in the face of the thing that's right in front of you that you've been fighting for so long. He knows this thing. And what he asks is not let me take away your ability to choose. What he asks is not let me just take the will. What he says is follow me. Will you do it? Will you pray this prayer? See, in order for him to lead, we have to follow. In order for this prayer to be true, we have to let him lead. And this may be the most profound thing you hear all day long, but guess what? For anyone to lead, someone has to follow. Have you ever played follow the leader by yourself? I hope not. It doesn't work. It never will work. And in this very moment, what God is going to say to you as you're praying this prayer is, do you really mean it? When you say, Lord, lead me, do you mean that? Because following is a choice. Meaning if Jesus is leading and we aren't walking step after step, moment after moment with him, are we really following? Do you know how Jesus leads? With selflessness with compassion, with care, with thoughtfulness, with sacrifice, with an overwhelming amount of love that you and I could never muster. And there's no way to pray these kinds of attributes into existence without first deciding that you are going to let him be the one you take point from. There's a reason this is a prayer, because even though we gave Jesus our life, it is a daily commitment to let him lead.
20 seconds to say, a lifetime to learn. It's a life of saying, God, I am following your son's cue. And I want to live a life of love that is without borders and with the greatest amount of hope. And am I going to follow in that footstep? The path that leads you away from temptation is a path that pursues the footsteps of Jesus. And let's not remember, it's not just how Jesus is leading us, but where he's leading us. So where is he leading us? Well, it says right there, not into temptation. We're asking him, deliver us from evil. And if God is delivering us from evil, we have to ask the question is, what is he delivering us for? You see, two mistakes the followers of Jesus often make is the first one is our life becomes so focused on not doing wrong. Which is not a bad thing, by the way. Not doing wrong and thinking about not doing wrong is not necessarily a bad thing. But in the process of running from wrong, we end up kind of not doing any good. See, not doing wrong doesn't mean you're doing good. It means you're kind of just there. And I've seen so many followers of Jesus miss out on the life that they could have because they've been so concerned and so afraid of doing the wrong thing, making the wrong choice. And the second thing that I think is misunderstood about the life of following Jesus is that we wait too long to do good because we're just waiting on God to tell us what to do. We made a decision to follow Jesus and now we're just like, okay, now what do I do? I don't, I don't know what to do. What, what's the good that I do? So we don't do any good. And by the time we think of something to actually do that is good, the moment's already passed where the impact is gone. And that's why Paul in Philippians has some words for his friends, for a church in Philippi. And he says this in his closing statement, he says these words and he wants them to get this. And it's a perfect way to put a stamp on everything we've talked about today. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter four. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, I love thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? For those of you who have been so concerned with doing wrong and almost walking on eggshells with God, I, I know where that comes from and I, I respect that so much. You want to honor him. You want to honor him with your life. You want to honor him with the way that you love. You want to honor him with your decisions and your words. And I think that is one of the greatest things I have ever seen. It's beautiful. There's something that's so innocent about that. And I love it. And I want to say thank you so much for leading the way for so many of us. But also, I, I want to share this with you. I don't want you to miss out on what God has because you're so afraid that God is not going to do his job of protecting your heart. It says right here that when we pray and when we go to him, God takes an active role in protecting and guarding our heart. And what Paul says, it transcends all understanding. It's a peace that transcends all understanding. And, and it's difficult to understand is what he's saying. It, it may not be able to be something that we can wrap our brains around, but I want to try for a moment. See, when we get into the rhythm of doing good, the temptation to go backwards becomes less and less and less. Not because you don't remember, it's because you know that what was in front of you is never going to be as satisfying as the thing that you're working towards. When you are in rhythm with God, when you are in rhythm with his love, when you are giving him everything and you are moving towards the good story that he has for you, the things that once were satisfying and tempting become frustrating and something you want nothing part of. 
Are you letting God protect your heart as you are pursuing the better things instead of the right now things? And Paul continues, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You see, prayer is not just sitting and waiting, it's moving and trusting. And for both groups of people, whether you're afraid to do wrong and that's why you haven't done good, or if you're just waiting for the opportunity to do good, I love what Paul says to us. Do whatever is good. Whatever is admirable, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever you get it, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is good, just do something. And I know that can be so annoying for some of us who love answers. It's so annoying for me. Have you ever been uh, uh, so hungry and you've been with your friends? You've been like, hey, what do you want to eat? And they say, whatever. And you're like, dude, I'm hungry. Pick something before I punch in your throat. I'm starving right now. Paul is saying, do whatever is good. Whatever. You mean like, can I? Yeah, do, is it good? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it right? Does it show love? Does it change the world? Because it lets people know how valued they are by God, how much they're valued, not because of anything they've done, but because who God created them to be. Does it do those things? Is it good? Yeah, do those things. Whatever is good. Whatever is good. Hear me one more time. Whatever is good, do those things. Because when you are pursuing doing whatever is good, temptation becomes less and less and less. I can't tell you what to do, but I know that when you do whatever is good, you'll find that temptations will never be as satisfying. And that means you don't have to wait on Pastor Mike or myself or any of the active staff make something good to happen for you to do good. Because I don't want to be annoying today and just say, do whatever is good. I want to give you three simple ways that you can do good this Christmas season. The first way is get help. If you are struggling with an addiction, if you are struggling with a temptation that is so beyond you, maybe you've hit it, maybe it's been a secret burger for so long and nobody knows about it, maybe you've been caught with it, maybe it's already ruined things, maybe you know it's on the edge of ruining things, maybe you know you don't ever want to get to, get to the point where it actually ruins everything, get help now. That's one of the best things that you can do for your family, the ones that you love, and for yourself. And let me tell you, God will be in all of that because that is good. That is good. And as you pursue that good thing, I can tell you in time, and as you pray this prayer, God, lead me, what you're going to see is that temptation means so little compared to the life that God has for you. God is delivering us for good. Pursue the good by getting help today. We have something called active recovery. We'd love to give you more information about that. And what, what it is, is a small group of people who meet to support one another as they walk through various addictions, as they walk through problems, as they walk through the things that are weighing heavy on their heart. If, if that's not enough for you, then we would love to connect you with awesome counselors that we have in the area locally that would help you take those next strategic steps in order for you to be the best version of yourself because that's what God hopes for. That's what God dreams of. And your temptation does not deserve room in your life. And you know that. You know that. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is get involved in a community here at Active Church. 
we just had a rooted group close and they just finished off their time together. And I'm not saying get in community for the sake of getting in a community and getting in a circle and, and, and coloring. No, that's not why we're getting together with community. What we're doing is we're getting together because we believe we're better together and we can do significantly more together. Our rooted crew recently just changed uh, uh, the world in Yukaipa for this organization called Youth Hope. And it seems dramatic, but no, it, it changed some girls' worlds as they rebuilt and remastered a home. And it completely changed, it's gonna change the fabric of what they do next and what they dream of next. It's for homeless youth. And it's a beautiful thing that we, ha we get to be a part of. Our groups here at Active are intentionally thoughtful because we believe that we're all called to provide hope, not just hoard hope. And so what they do is we encourage people, do something in your community. And our rooted groups do that. We're gonna be starting another rooted group uh, next year, so get ready for that. Coming in January, there are gonna be some strategic groups that we're starting to help you grow in your faith, grow in your community, and help you serve and love. Get ready for those things. Plan it now in your calendar that I'm gonna do something good in a community here at Active Church. Maybe that is even just you getting involved in serving here. There's nothing like serving. Some of the, my favorite activators are the littlest ones who serve and greet on a Sunday morning. That's such a cool thing. That changes somebody's world. Do good, whatever that is. And the third thing I wanna encourage you is that this Christmas season, you've always had a dream of helping somebody or doing something incredible, an over-the-top moment. We do things called dollar clubs here at Active Church. But what if you decided to do it on your own? And just to make a moment that is so beautiful for somebody this Christmas. It doesn't have to be financially a lot. It just has to be meaningful and thoughtful. So what is that thought? What is that good? Yeah, do that. Do whatever is good. Whatever is beautiful. Whatever is lovely. Couples. Can I talk to you for a second? I want to encourage you to do something together. Whatever that is, do good together because there'll be nothing that bonds you more than loving people with your spouse, with your significant other, with your best friend. I have set up IKEA furniture with my wife. It's a fun experience. That's a cool bonding moment, but there's nothing like us getting together and loving the people around us. There's nothing like that. Singles, I'm gonna talk to you for a second. Singles, ready to mingle, singles. Let me tell you something, celebrate your singleness because you will never have more time than you do right now. And I know you may have a busy schedule, but things change when you're coupled up. Can you imagine if you began to refine goodness in your life right now? If you said, God, I'm gonna let you lead me and I'm gonna walk towards goodness. I'm gonna take care of those temptations by walking towards the better thing you have right now. It will just make the moment you get coupled up that much better. It will instill the spirit in God, of God in you now, and it will let you know that there's more to this life than the thing that is in front of you, and maybe even the person that's in front of you, that there's more to live for. Singles, do something good now, because there's no better time. And finally, for those who have been wrestling through temptation, wrestling through shame, guilt, doubt, maybe even uncertainty, if church or God can be for you. Today could be the first day of the rest of your life. One decision could change every decision moving forward. And that one decision is saying, God, I'm letting you lead because I can't do it anymore. Because I'm tired. I already have enough damage in my wake. And I want a new life and a new story. Now, everything won't be fixed, but the story you're moving towards will be that much sweeter 
And it's never too late to let God lead. He cares. He's intimate. He's personal. And he wants you. He offers forgiveness. He expects nothing besides for you. Just say, hey, come follow me. There's a life for you that is beyond belief. So let us. Let us follow, follow after the things that God is doing. And if there's any struggle or any worry or any doubt, hand it over to God today. Let's pray together. Father God, when temptation comes, God, we want to roar at it. We know the only way to roar at it, God, is if we let you be the leader of our life. That we have the courage to let you lead, not just today, but every day. May it not just be a statement, but may it be a daily choice, God, to let you be the one we take our cue from. We want to follow you. Lead us away from temptation, into the good story, into the good life, into doing good. And we all lift this up in your son's holy name. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.